Well, the holiday season is a time for family gatherings. And at a recent family gathering that I went to, I happened to stumble upon a Christmas decoration that was a little unsettling, to say the least. I brought it here so you could see it. Um, There's an angel that when you press the button on the arm, it folds its hands and sings Silent Night. And um, uh, I find it a little bit creepy, to be honest. Um, But I think the thing is, like, you can't really see it from where you're at, but, like, the eyes open and close, and it kind of seems like one eye is a little slower than the other. It's it's, it's actually quite frightening. This thing thing is actually kind of terrifying, I'll be honest. But to give you a sense of... um, what I feel when I look at this and from a distance. I'm going to manipulate the environment, if that's okay. So I'm going to play this in a second, but I'm going to have us um, adjust the lighting and have some ambiance. So you can just see how creepy this thing is. So check it out. Wait till it sings. It gets worse. Terrifying, isn't it? Okay, we can stop. Before I... Freak out the children. Yeah, okay, you're welcome, child. (laughs) A little scary, right? And uh, I'm using that to kind of illustrate something for us today. You know, fear is an emotion that all of us feel. Uh, To some some degree, right, we all experience fear. You know, some people maybe extremely uh, at moments in life, fear is something that grips them. And for some of us, a little to a less degree. but, But fear is something, nevertheless, that all people have to deal with. And I'm not just talking about like a, a creepy little Christmas decoration, which by the way, when I found this at that uh, gathering, family gathering, I decided to hide in little dark corners of the house and just like click it when no one was around. And then when someone would walk through, it just creep them out. But um, I'm not talking about something silly like that. Like I'm talking about something far more substantial. Some of us are gripped by different kinds of fears. So for example, some of you, maybe it's a fear of failure. Maybe you look at your life, you had all these grand dreams and visions for what your life would be and, and, and what you had hoped it would become, and now you're beginning to look at the reality and how it's not measuring up with what you expected it to be. And maybe perhaps in your mind and heart, you, you feel like a failure. In fact, maybe you're married with kids. Maybe you feel like you're going to be a disappointment. And so as you look toward the future and you look at all the things, you feel that pressure. Maybe that's eating away at you, this idea that you're never going to amount to what you hope to be. For some people, the the fear of failure is a real thing. Now, you might go, well, that's not really for me, but maybe you have a different fear. Maybe some of you are facing right now a fear of rejection. Maybe you had a past relationship that, that didn't go well, and now as you're looking toward the future, you have a fear that's gripping your heart that maybe you'll never be loved Never find someone who's going to accept you or, or, or appreciate you for who you are. And, and maybe that's something that's almost debilitating for you. Because as you look toward the future, you have this fear just of rejection that you're never going to be in a relationship that you want. There are other fears out there. Maybe those aren't resonating with you. Maybe it's a fear of abandonment. Maybe it's a, a fear of loss. Maybe it's a fear of change. Maybe it's a fear that people will judge you for past behavior. Maybe it's a fear of uncertainty as you look toward the future. All of us, from one degree to another, we experience fear. Nobody is exempt from this emotion. All of us experience it. But what what if today you just allowed me the opportunity to speak to your fears? What if today on Christmas Eve, I were to share with you a powerful truth from God's word that if we believed it and if we truly received it, it would have the power to transform our fear into something beautiful.
Well, if you want to explore this truth with me tonight, I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 this evening. Uh, If you want to grab the Bibles in front of you, you're welcome to use those. Luke is one of the Gospels, so it's in the New Testament. So if you go three quarters of the way into your Bible, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, then John. Luke 2 is where we're at. And as you're turning your pages to Luke chapter 2, I just want to give you a little background as to what's going on in this story. Now, Luke happens to be one of the four Gospels. The four Gospels tell the story of Jesus. And in Luke chapter 1, we get this amazing promise from the Lord. Uh, The Lord gives a promise to this virgin named Mary that she would have a child miraculously. And according to this promise, this wouldn't be any old child. This would be the Son of God. This would be the Messiah. This would be the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He would be the Christ, and Mary would call his name Jesus. This is the promise we see in Luke chapter 1. And then when we get to Luke chapter 2 in the beginning, we see that God fulfills this promise. And I want to just remind you, in case you forgot, that anytime God makes a promise, he will always fulfill it. And he does so here in Luke chapter 2. Notice what Luke says in verse 7. This is the promise fulfilled. Mary gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, in today's world, news like this, that this newborn child uh, had come into the world miraculously, news like that, that would travel quickly. If Mary lived today, we would all know about the birth of Jesus, right? Because she would just, you know, snap a selfie, put it on her Instagram story. We would all know about a bing, bada boom. That's the news. But in the ancient world, first century, news traveled incredibly slow. And it just so happened that there was a group of people who didn't know anything about the birth of Jesus who were near there that night. And these are the least likely people that you would ever expect to hear this kind of news. But they were about to have an encounter with a messenger. They were about to have a surprise meeting with an angel. They were about to have a late night rendezvous that would change their life forever. And so as we jump into our passage, that's the first thing I want to look at. Number one, let's look at this rendezvous. Let's look at this meeting that these individuals had. So notice what Luke says, picking up from verse eight of Luke chapter two. It says this, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. So as our passage opens up, I want you to note that Luke is telling us that in the same region, in the same region as what? Well, look at verse 7, right? That's where Mary was. She gave birth to, to Jesus in Bethlehem. In that very same region in Israel, there was a specific group of people. And what was this specific group of people? Well, Luke tells us there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, a lot of us, especially if you grew up in the church, you know a thing or two about shepherds, right? The most essential thing to know about shepherds is they take care of what? Sheep. The role of a shepherd is to make sure that sheep are cared for, that they have food, that they have something to drink, that they're protected. That's what a shepherd does. So a lot of us have a general idea of what a shepherd does, but really, because we don't live in the first century and because we're not familiar with the culture and customs of the time, we don't have a full picture of what the, the, the life of a shepherd was truly like. You see, shepherds in the first century, they had a very specific reputation, and it wasn't a very good one. Uh, Unlike most jobs where people go and they, they put in a long day's work and then they go home to their family, shepherds didn't have a time clock where they would punch in and punch out. In particular, at certain seasons of the year, typically in March through November, when the sheep went out to pasture uh, in the Judean countryside, the shepherd would go with them. 
And so this group of shepherds, they would travel with the sheep wherever they would go. And at night, when the sheep were, were out in the fields by night, one of the shepherds would go to sleep and then he would trade his shift with another shepherd so that way the sheep could be watched over and protected because if you took your eyes off the sheep, something bad would happen. And so if you think about this job, the job of a shepherd, it never stopped. It was 24-7, which meant in that culture, the kinds of things that a man would normally enjoy in that society, shepherds didn't get, ex get, didn't get to experience. So for example, a shepherd wouldn't get to raise his kids and watch them grow up because he would never be home. In that culture, one of the most important things a Jewish man could do is honor the, the Mosaic law, which told them that one day a week, they were to work six days a week, and on one day, the Sabbath, they were to rest and cease from all their work. Well, a shepherd couldn't abide by that. Why? Because if you rest one of the days, then who's watching the sheep? Not only that, shepherds who were often out in the fields for long months of a year, they weren't able to participate in the Jewish ceremonies or festivities, the, 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 the customs or practices of the Jewish people. So as a result, a shepherd was a person deemed by their society as someone who was an outcast. Right? They were unclean. They were, uh, according to the Jewish law, they, they would be viewed as sinners they were outsiders. They aren't the kinds of people you would expect for God to be interested to, to reach out to. And I shared that little bit of information because maybe there are some people even here tonight who have the same feeling about yourself. Maybe you are here because it's Christmas Eve and that's what you do on Christmas Eve. But maybe as you look at your life, you look at your past, you look at your decisions, the things that you've done, maybe you're somebody who kind of doesn't really believe that you're the type of person that God would care a whole lot about. Uh, maybe you've considered yourself to be an outsider or an outcast. But I want to remind you here that in, in the scriptures and in this passage, we see that the people who've spent their life the furthest away from God in the past are often the people that God draws the nearest to today. That's what we see in our passage. And that's what I want to remind you about. Regardless of your past, regardless of who you are, what you've done, I believe that God wants to have an encounter with you tonight. I believe that, just as he did with these shepherds who were watching their flock by night. And so these shepherds, they're out in the middle of the fields near Bethlehem, watching over the flock, not expecting anything to happen. Then all of a sudden, notice what happens. It says this, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now, we often think of an encounter with an angel as something beautiful, right? I, I grew up, my grandma was a really big fan of the show Touched by an Angel. Remember that show, right? Yeah, where all the angels were like these good-looking people who walked around and did nice deeds. And like we often think that if we were to encounter an angel, it would be a beautiful sight. But biblically speaking, when you read people encountering an angel, usually it's terrifying. It's a little, little like our angel here. Can we just do, the, just to remind them one more time with the lights and the ambiance for a second. It would be like this. Yeah, terrified yet? Yes, okay, let's, for the sake of the children, we'll stop. That's kind of what it would be like. It wasn't beautiful. It wasn't wonderful, right? It would be scary. Notice what the text tells us. They see this angel and it says they were filled with great fear. Now, interestingly, in Luke's gospel, this is the third time an angel shows up and it's only chapter two. Uh, the first two times that an angel shows up, the exact same thing happens. An angel shows up and everybody who sees the angel, they're filled with great fear. So to see an angel wasn't beautiful, it wasn't wonderful, it was terrifying. And so that's what's happening. This late night uh, encounter, right? This rendezvous with an angel, it fills them 
with fear. And so this is what we see, number one, with the rendezvous. But secondly now, I want to look at what the angel does in response to the fear of these shepherds. Notice what it says, picking up in verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not. Now, if we were to take tonight and read through our entire Bibles together and write down every time a command was given, we would discover that the most repeated command in the entire Bible are these two words right here. Fear not. Do not be afraid. That's the most repeated command in the entire Bible. We read it again and again and again and again. So these angels, in response to the fear of the shepherds, they say, fear not. And then there's another word that they use. It's a three-letter word. Fear not for. I just want to focus on this word just for a couple seconds here. Uh, This word is important. And if we can get nerdy for a second, let me just do this with language. But the word for, used in this context, is a conjunction. We could replace the word for with because. You see, what the angel is about to say with this word for is it's about to say the reason why they are to not fear, right? The angel said to them, fear not for, and then whatever comes next is the reason they shouldn't be afraid. It's the grounds by which they should not be afraid. And we would expect for the angel to give some sort of message of comfort, right? Just just this simple kind of clarification like, hey, fear not, I'm just an angel, man. Like, don't worry about it. I'm just an angel. Chill out. We would expect the angel to say something like, I mean you no harm. Hey, I'm just here. For a good reason. But that's not the reason why they're to not fear. So when we read Luke's passage, there's a reason why they aren't to to, to be fearful. And it's not just some sort of little message of comfort. Notice how the angel responds. It says this. The angel said to them, fear not for, behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Notice that explanation of why they're not to fear. You see, the remedy for fear, the antidote to fear, it's not found in some trivial words of momentary reassurance, of comfort for these poor shepherds who were afraid that night. No, the angel responds to their fear with a message of hope. A message of good news, of great joy. And this isn't just a message for the shepherds. It's a message for you and for me. It's for everyone. It's for all people. The good news of Christmas is a message of hope for the world. In a world that's gripped by fear. The message of Christmas shines a, a light into some of the darkest of nights. You see, the truth is God's love for you and for me is so great that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, who took on flesh. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He was placed in a manger, in a stable. And there, this Jesus, he grew up. And he grew up so that way he could die on a cross to rescue a sinful and broken world. Jesus grew up and became our substitute sacrifice. Dying in our place. And then God raised him from the dead. And now God has given us Jesus to reconcile a holy God and a sinful person. We now find reconciliation in Christ. And if you continue reading, you'll discover that after explaining to the shepherds this good news of the arrival of Jesus, all of a sudden a multitude of angels show up. And Luke refers to them as a heavenly host. Now we live in a culture. Being Americans and and having the English language, 
where Christianity has had, a, it's been a staple in our society, in our culture, in this language for so long, for centuries. And so because of that, so much of the, the biblical language, it's become kind of just part of our vernacular, and we don't even realize certain things that are biblical, but it's interesting. We know the word heavenly host. We sing about it in Christmas songs, but do you know that that word host means army? All of a sudden, a heavenly army shows up. Now, you'd expect for the army to come and to announce some sort of message of conflict or war, because that's what an army does. That's what we think about with an army, but that's not what this army does. This army of angels, they lift their voices, and what do they say? They say, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace. Not conflict, not war. Peace among those whom he is pleased. You see, the heavenly army came to announce earthly peace. Beloved, in a world that's constantly being gripped by fear, the Christmas message is a message of hope, a message of joy, and a message of peace because God has reconciled the world to himself through this gift of Jesus Christ. He is the greatest gift we could ever receive. And when the shepherds heard that message, they realized that truth that night. And this is why after we see number one with the rendezvous and number two, the response of the angels. Thirdly, I just want to focus briefly on this, the result. How did the shepherds respond after they heard that news and they heard the announcement from the angel? Well, this is what it tells us. It says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to the Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And then it says this, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. You see, at the end of our story, these shepherds, they found Jesus They found Jesus because they believed and received the good news that was given to them. And that night they left, it says, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. You see, the good news, this gospel that we receive at Christmas, this message of truth, when it's received, it has the power to change things, to transform things, to transform your fear into hope. This is the beauty of the gospel. This is the beauty of the message on Christmas. This past week, we we watched some Christmas movies with the kids. And uh, I've got a list of some ones that I really like, but the movie we watched two times this week, because it's short, is Charlie Brown Christmas. It's a classic. Great, great one. There's some other good ones I really like. I, I love It's a Wonderful Life. That's a good one. Kids don't like that as much. They think it's a little bit boring. It's in black and white. I love it. Um... I also like, I'm trying to think, well, uh, A Christmas Story, obviously. We did the bunny thing earlier. Uh, Home Alone 1. Jordan Herrera likes Home Alone 2 more than Home Alone 1, and I don't know if we can be friends anymore because of that. But uh, I'll forgive him for now. But there's a lot of good movies, but Charlie Brown is one of the best. And you guys all know the Charlie Brown characters, right? And one of the main characters is Linus. And someone drew my attention to this just recently, but Linus is the one that walks around everywhere with a blanket, right? It's a security blanket. A lot of you grew up maybe with a a blankie or a a teddy bear that you would carry with you. And what does a security blanket do? Well, it's supposed to give you comfort and peace in the moments where you're fearful or anxious. When you're afraid, you cling to that and you find a source of comfort. 
And so Linus, he walks around through all the Charlie Brown stuff, always carrying this blanket. And in the Charlie Brown Christmas, the thing that they, they drew my attention to is at the scene at the end, right, the famous scene where Charlie Brown's on the stage, there's a Christmas tree, and he kind of throws up his hands and says, can't anybody tell me what the meaning of Christmas is all about? Linus stands up and he begins to quote the exact passage I just preached from. But what someone drew my attention to, and I never noticed before, notice what Linus does with the blanket when he's reciting this. So let's go ahead and check this clip out. I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. A great movie. Christmas is all about the advent, the arrival of Jesus. Christmas is anchored in a message of good news. And that good news provides hope in the face of all our fears. And so I want to challenge you today. No matter who you are, no matter what you're facing, Christmas time is hard, isn't it? We have a, a time of year where all these memories are flooded into our mind and heart and we recall moments of heartache and sadness. A lot of you are entering in the Christmas season and you're dealing with a recent loss and it's the first time that you're dealing with Christmas without this loved one. And I know that's incredibly difficult, right? Some of you are stepping into a season where you're going to encounter family members and maybe there's issues from the past and it's, it's hard. Now we sing the song, it's the most wonderful time of the year, but for so many of us, it's a time filled with heartache, filled with pain. And so many of us step into the Christmas season with all sorts of fears and anxieties, depression, loneliness, hardship. It's a difficult season, I, I, I know. But I want to challenge you this Christmas. I want to challenge you to take comfort in the arrival of Jesus. This message of good news. I want to challenge you to respond like the shepherds who in the midst of their fears took God at his word and believed the message that they were given. I want to challenge you to respond like Linus who instead of clinging to a security blanket, he was able to release that and cling to the hope of the gospel which drives out fear. I want to challenge you to respond like the psalmist who declares this. He says, when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. Beloved, there is more to life than fear. There's more to life than anxiety. 
God offers a life of hope, a life of joy, a life of peace. And here's the beauty of the good news. You don't have to earn it. You might be somebody here who's like, hey, pastor, I hear what you're saying, but you don't know me. You don't know my story. I don't deserve any of that. And that's the beauty of the good news is none of us do. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all failed. We could try for the rest of our life to reach up to God and none of us will be able to do it because God is holy and righteous and perfect. But the good news of the gospel is that God reached down to us in Christ. He sent his son who bled and died and suffered for us and was raised from the dead. And by grace and through faith in this Jesus, we can receive that peace, that joy, that hope. That's what the gospel is all about. That's what the good news is all about. It's a gift. You don't earn gifts. They're given freely. So what a shame it would be if today you left here giftless. I want to challenge you challenge you today, this Christmas, to receive all that God is offering to you freely this year. By faith, by trusting, by believing, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we receive that gift. So don't leave here today without receiving the greatest gift that's ever been given, the gift of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for that Christmas message, that message of hope, that hope, that joy, that peace that drives out fear. Lord, I realize that this is a hard time for so many of us. But Father, I pray that as we look to the manger, that our response wouldn't just be trivial, it wouldn't be insignificant, it wouldn't just be looking at the cuteness of the Christmas story, but Father, we would realize the gravity of the gift that you have given us in Christ. It is the hope of the world. He is the Savior of the world. He came to bring peace. He is the Prince of Peace. And so, Lord, I pray that we would receive that, that we would not continually be slaves to fear, but that we would cling to the hope of the gospel, and that this Christmas you would transform our hearts and lives for your glory and for our good. So we ask these things. In the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand together and let's respond in worship.